Welcome to C-Suite Radio. Hey, what's up? What's up? It's Monday, and it's time for another episode of the Brett Allen Show, a pop culture podcast. Today, we are talking with actor Bill Oberst Jr. If you have ever watched a horror movie at all in your life whatsoever, then you have probably seen him. He has been a part of some fantastic projects. He had a film come out recently called The Parish. We talk about that, and really just his long and iconic career in this field of the horror genre, and really, he talks about how he felt like... Like this was something he was supposed to do as he grew up as a child he always felt drawn to this type of world and really how he has made his place and his name in the horror genre we cover all of that and much more and i think you're going to enjoy this unique and exclusive interview with bill we cover a lot in this conversation it was a quick and fast one head over to brettallenshow.com for all of the latest episodes and uh, more amazing content coming down the pike for you enjoy today's episode with actor bill oberst jr You're listening to The Brett Allen Show, a pop culture podcast. Have you subscribed to this show yet? I've tried bribes. I've tried gifts. You should. It's absolutely free. I even sent him some pet oxen. Now back to the show with your host, Brett Allen. Idly hey. Welcome to another episode of The Brett Allen Show. Prepare to be astonished. A pop culture podcast. Join Brett Weekly as he interviews your favorite celebrities from film, <gasps> oh, television, I'm back in business, baby. comedy, and much more. Inconceivable! Plus, you never know who will stop by. Dude, we are so gonna party! Now, here is your host, Brett Allen. Bill, welcome into the podcast. It's great to have you here today. Brett, I'm really glad to be here, man. Are we capturing video or just audio? Both. We're doing both. So I want to highlight for those who will just be listening. Well, we're talking to Bill Oberst Jr. And my God, the name just, if you watch horror films or anything in that genre, sci-fi, whatever the case might be, you know, he's an Emmy winner, of course. I don't want to bury the headline, but chances are you've, you've had to have seen him at some point Anytime you've turned on the television and then we started chatting, he's at his mother's house. We won't go into specifics why he's just there to help her out with some things. And I see a pirate skeleton in the background. Tell us that story, because I think that's very fascinating. (laughs) So, Brett, for people who are just listening to the audio. Yeah, I've got a lot of my boyhood things around here. And so it's really cool to do the interview from here. Um, This guy behind me is called Father Time and he's a skeleton. And um, he's dressed like a pirate in like raggy clothes and a tripod hat. And he's sitting up there by a clock because I was inspired by the Rocky Horror Show. You know, time is fleeting. Um, I was always a horror kid and always into all of this. I remember my dad coming in once. I, I had a makeup kit that I painstakingly like ordered stuff for because back then, you know, there's no Internet. So I, I would all over the country and order this stuff. And so I had my makeup kit all set up in one of his old fishing tackle boxes. And I was trying to do a Quasimodo face from a Dick Smith makeup magazine. And my dad walked through and I remember him saying, you're a weird kid, Billy, a weird kid. (laughs) (laughs) I never forgot that. And he was right. I mean, I guess you were just maybe destined to do this because you've been a part of so many projects. Again, I was just doing research outside of what, 
publicists send. And, and I was looking through your list of films and television. And I, I mean, you've been doing this, I think, longer than most people have been able to watch entertainment on television. You've got two projects that I want to start with. We're going to talk about synchronicity, synchronicity, sorry, and the parish, which are two primary projects right now. You are a part of these with some amazing people. I think the parish comes out on the 16th. So we'll make sure this goes out long before that. And then the other thing, let's talk about those two projects, Bill, that are on the forefront of your career right now and what people can expect when they have the opportunity to watch them. So the parish comes out March the 16th. Um, thanks for mentioning it, Brett, because um, it's a slow burn exorcism film. It's by a husband wife production team in Seattle. Uh, David S. Hogan directed it. His wife, Angela DeMarco, produced it with him, and she stars as the lead. Um, so it's ostensibly it's an exorcism film. I play the priest, but it's really a film about grief and about loss. And I think anybody who's lost somebody will uh, kind of vibe with what's going on in that movie. And Synchronicity is done by my buddies, um, Justin Benson and Aaron Moorhead. So they did a movie. A lot of their, uh, they have a trilogy of movies that are set in the same world. Resolution, The Endless, and Synchronicity, and Synchronicity. I did the same thing you did. Maybe it is Synchronicity. I don't know. Maybe we were wrong. So, <laughs> Well, we want to get it uh, right. They, so, <laughs> yeah. I have Synchronicity, but uh, Synchronicity, Synchronicity, I'm yeah. sure is probably the correct term. I apologize. So Aaron and Justin gave me this weird little cameo in a movie called Resolution, where I played a French guy named Byron who smokes this strange, weird stuff and reveals some metaphysical truths. It was a six minute scene of me in a French accent smoking pot with the lead actor. And um, it was great. I mean, they let it play out for six minutes. It's, it's actually on, it's the lead thing on all of my reels because it's my one of my favorite scenes. They just let a six minute scene play. So then they were doing synchronicity and um, Justin and Aaron had their producer call and said, so Justin and Aaron are doing this movie and they'd like you to be in it, but they want to know, can you do a Creole accent kind of, but with none of the words really being intelligible so that we get the <laughs> idea of what you're saying just from the sound of the words, but not the words themselves. That's a very, <laughs> okay. okay. It, that's a very Justin and Aaron thing to ask. So I leaped on it. It's a time travel picture. So I got to be in period costume and to create this strange character who speaks completely unintelligibly, but you can understand what he's saying. Uh, it was my cup of tea. So I really enjoyed that one too. Yes, both are great films. I've had the opportunity to see screeners of both and I don't want to spoil it for those who have not. But I said this before and I can't overstate it in the fact that you are definitely a staple in this genre. And I've talked to other actors before who I don't like the term typecast because I feel like it kind of can be a shallow grave. It's been described or it sort of puts like the stigma on because what I consider you to do or what you do is an art form. That's really what it comes down to. You just happen to be really good at a certain part of that. Well, all of it. I mean, you've done a lot of different things, but as far as an actor and when you set out on this journey and career strategy, after you had done a few of these films early on, did you kind of realize this is something that I'm just very good at and 
it's kind of going to be what I will just do for the rest of my career? Or are you just open to do anything when it comes to creating art and putting things on film and television? Um, yes, to the second, certainly. But my soul has always been, I like to say my sympathies have always been with the monster. Yes. Because I, I felt like a monster as a kid and it okay. really shaped me. Um, so all of these things that are around me, um, hold on, wait, hey, I'm coming back. <laughs> okay. For you who are listening, I just stepped off to pick up one of my boyhood books. It's really okay. treasured. I think it has my name in it. Yeah, Billy Oberst. It's called Horror by Drake Douglas. And it's a little paperback book you'd buy back then in the drugstore. But in this book are descriptions of all of the monsters uh, up to that time. And uh, it, right, it talks about each monster as if they were real. So it's not only, you know, who played the Frankenstein monster werewolf, but what is it like to be that monster? And this really shaped me. So I did theater for 14 years before I ever did film. I never did any horror in theater. I did comedy and historical stuff and Shakespeare. And then when I fell into film, literally just, I didn't choose it. I just fell into it by accident. I started getting cast in horror roles. And I thought about this great love of these monsters and particularly my screen hero, and it's from a long time ago, but the silent movie star Lon Chaney, his goal was to create monstrous human beings so that other humans could see the monster in themselves. And I said, ah, oh my God. So if I've got the face for horror and this is what I'm going to get cast in, that's what I want to do. So for the first few years, I did every role that came up, of course, because I had to eat. And then when I got where I could be a little choosy, I started trying to look for the roles where I could bring a little bit of the monster into the human and the human into the monster. I like that because I think when we get this picture of horror films or thrillers in our mind, like there's the slasher genre, you know, then there was this boom of like, the Scream franchise and all of those and the Friday the 13th and the Nightmare on Elm Streets, those are like myopic in the sense of like there's a character that we're focused on, whether it's Jason or Freddy or whatever. But you bring up an interesting point, Bill, in the sense that it's more of an opportunity for us as the viewers, if I understand correctly, to really have a little bit of self-reflection in the sense of what we might be struggling with as a human being, right, while we're watching this moment or moments on screen yes right because we all i mean we say we have our demons but we also have our monsters and they're not all bad right you know they're not all bad like um anger okay anger can be a monster if i use it wrong but sometimes it can be good it can be a motivating factor um so i need to understand my monsters and own them and know when they stay in the cage and when they can come out and you don't do that unless you like grub around inside yourself and find out what's in there. And our culture doesn't give us much encouragement to do that. You know, we're all supposed to be beautiful and just put a sheen on it and, you know, pretend that everything is wonderful and we're living our best life. To hell with that. Yeah. I like yeah. grubbing around in the mud and the dirt of a real human being. If, if I'm playing a malevolent person and I'm only amplifying the malevolence, obviously, but we all have everything within us. I just got cast to play Hitler, okay? Yes. It's a serious, dramatic role. It's a World War II drama to be filmed in Romania. And so the first thing that I heard from a lot of people was, uh, uh, oh, you know, how could you place this a monstrous character? Hitler was a monster. My immediate thought, Brett, Hitler wasn't a monster. He was a man, right? Yes. He's a man. He made certain choices. 
and he encouraged people to follow him. And they did. He's a man. He's no different than you or me, except in the things he did, the choices he made, and the people who responded to those choices. To say that a person who does heinous things is a monster, I think it's an insult to the real monsters. You know what I mean? I do. Yeah. I don't know if you're familiar with the actor Robert Lasardo. He oh, Robert is great. Yeah. He's he's, he's been I on love him. Yeah, and he's, he's always great. Really, he's always really nice to other actors at horror conventions. Go ahead. Yes, he actually he came on the show this time last year and we talked about him and really just this whole persona that we have of good versus evil and really how the characters are played in the sense of you find yourself rooting for that character really in some ways because there's a humanity side to all of it. I mean, even, I guess, you know, I don't know if I really had any empathy for Freddy Krueger, but if you really go and you look at his backstory and perhaps how they decided to tell, I think there was a reboot or retelling most recently kind of explaining his life and sort of why he became who he was more so than we got with the Robert England series. Although I, as I sidetrack here even more, I, you can't beat Robert. But my point is, is that there's really just kind of this idea that you portray and you're getting inside the mind of this individual. So I, I think the idea of Hitler, you know, it's going to be very interesting to see how that plays out. But yes, Robert was probably, he's one of the nicest people on the planet. Like I, I was nervous talking to him just because of his stature, I think in character, but really like, you know, he's just done so many things like yourself and just been a part of so many projects. You mentioned something as I switched gears here. You said, you know, you kind of started doing everything when you experienced the success of this type of character or role. And now you're getting to a place in your career, or maybe you have been for a while, Bill, where you can really just pick and choose the types of roles. Do people just automatically assume that because you've done this a million times that you're an easy get as far as somebody that might want you in their film, if that makes any sense? So, oh, he's done all of these. So he'll say yes to us when in reality you might not say yes because you can pick and choose, right? Depends on whether the rent's due and the money's in the bank for the rent, to be honest with you. Okay. Um, <laughs> you know, most of the time with an actor, they'll say, oh, why'd you do this role? And most the answer usually is I needed the money. But there are occasions when you, you know, if you have the luxury, a particular year it's going well and you can pick and choose, then yeah, you do get things that you think, gee, you know, unless I really need the money, I, I don't want to do this because it doesn't vibe with what I want to put out there. Um, and knock on wood, for the last few years, it's been that way for me and I've been able to, to do that. So there are some things that I've said no to. I'm sure they found other people who are much better than me. You know, but um, yeah, there's some kind of energies that I don't want to be a part of putting out there. I want things that can ultimately, ultimately, even if in a weird way, ennoble the human spirit. That doesn't mean I have to play a good guy, but it means right. if I'm going to play, if I'm going to play evil, I want to play evil so well that people will say, my God, there's that in the world. Is there a little piece of that in me? So that's what I'm into. And if I get offered a role that's just, you know, a guy who kills and there's no reason that he kills and he's scary. Yeah, you know, is the rent due? Yeah, I, I get that. You know what I'm saying? Like, it kind of makes sense. It's like, and it seems like you've been a part of a lot of things where the storytelling isn't lazy, where 
you know, you see somebody and then all of you, you know, sudden they turn out to be, you know, they're a Boy Scout leader and then they turn out to be something really dark and demonic, but you've always played things that have substance to them. You've worked with some amazing directors in your career. I've watched a lot of interviews that you've done and you talk about a lot of people that maybe if you're not into the horror genre that they might know, but you've worked with Rob Zombie before. I'm just very curious. This is more of a fan question than anything. What is it like to work for somebody like that? Because he seems like he's just a genius when it comes to anything that he touches, whether it was, you know, the, the, the Friday the 13th origin story or the Jason origin story, one of those or anything that he does devil's rejects, which is what you've been a part of three from hell, both very hardcore intense movies. Yeah. Um, I only know him from the film world, not from his music, but I'd assume it's the same in his music. Um, the guy is technically proficient to the max. So he doesn't just, he loves the genre, but he's able to not only have ideas about the genre, but to know how technically to execute them. And that's really important for a filmmaker because he's in control of his set. He understands the gaffer's job. He understands every job on the set. Okay. And his people really, really respect him. Uh, I was surprised by his gentleness. Personally, his speech is quiet, almost mumbling, never shouting, never shouting. We were riding in the transpo van down to set. And I was like, gosh, you know, thanks for having me. And I asked him about the scene. And I said, do you want this played this particular way as it seems to be written? And he was the writer. And he very generously said, Bill, he said, what I like about you is the quiet menace that you do. So I just want you to take what I wrote and pour it through you. And I was like, wow, that's the way to get a performance out of an actor to say, take what I wrote and pour it through you. And if, if, he, if he didn't like it, I know he's going to tell me, but he gives me that opportunity to first pour it through me. It was a wonderful experience. He's absolute pro. Yeah. And that's not always the case with some directors where they give you that freedom to really just use your natural instincts as a performer and as an actor and really not rely on, you know, other characters you've played, but really just your overall experience in this particular world and your expertise, the quiet menace, which I, yeah, that's very terrifying when you're in those moments. When I've seen you on screen and things that you've done, it's like, oh God, you know, it makes me very nervous, but it's just a tribute to how good of an actor you are because you, you couldn't be one of the more kindest people I've ever spoken to. Uh, so it's definitely not art imitating life necessarily. You've had a super long career. We've said this multiple times in our conversation. Looking back on that, would there be anything that you would have done differently on this path to becoming an actor or really just would you have kept everything the same and just kind of taken the opportunities that they come like maybe said no to something that you wish you would have said yes to or perhaps been passed on something that you thought you had just any type of experience like that yeah I would have been more confident um, as a kid that this is what I wanted to do and I knew that this is why I was here on the earth I think I really do think we all are born with a vocation sure from a higher power and, and I knew that but I allowed people to say you can't do that you can't make a living doing that and um you know, wasted about five years following a business path. And it was reasonably good at that, but it wasn't my heart. It wasn't my soul. So if I had anything to do over again, I think I would have just earlier on had the confidence to say, you know, I'm sorry, but this is what I have to do. And this is who I am and I'm going to do it. 
but it takes a little time to build out that confidence, right? Yeah, I think confidence, I struggled with it for years. Even when I started podcasting, you know, the whole concept of I'm not good enough to talk to this person or that person, or I'm not at this level or that level. And I think when you compare yourself to other people, I've struggled with it. It's like that whole concept of imposter syndrome, you know, like I really don't deserve to be doing this, but really you do because you've put in all of the hard work, right. To, (laughs) to get where you are and, you know, to be able to have that flexibility as a performer and decide what you want to do. If you have those pockets of time where you can be a bit more choosier, I love it. I'm excited just to see what's down the road. And, you know, I'm just sure with all the years of experience that you've had, you probably just have some amazing stories that just resonate in your head of opportunities that you've been a part of, where you're like, wow, you know, this is something I get to do that will be forever documented in film history. And, it just, everything has stood the test of time, you know? It's true. It, the stuff that you do is around forever. And for you too, as a podcaster. And I, I'd like to comment on something you said about the levels. You know, I'm not at this level. I'm not at that level. I struggle with that and fight that too. I have all my life, you know, the feeling of inferiority and I'm not good enough. And But then as you meet people who are higher up, so to speak, on the ladder, you find that they feel the same way too. <laughs> and so it's really liberating like it is Mark Twain said it best the life has never been lived which was not a failure in the eyes of the one who lived it I've never met anybody who said yeah I'm great I deserve to be here never once and so once I figured out that everybody's a mess it's a lot more freedom for me to be a mess too and figure okay I'm going to do my thing and the people who like it and groove on it, they're going to find me and I don't have to be anybody else. That's really liberating. Yeah, it really is freeing to be able to get into that space and find yourself not so worked up over whatever you pick. You know what I'm saying? For you, it's choosing a role or being cast in a very specific role and having success really as a as a blue collar working actor just really being able to master your craft and and just be a part of some things that you know uh the devil's rejects three from hell scream queens criminal minds i mean the list goes on and on and it it stands the test of time well i know you're quite busy and if people want to check these films out or any of the work that you've done What's the best way for them to do so, Bill? Well, you can just hit my website, which I want you to do because, (laughs) two reasons, there's a really cool clip that loops on my website, and it's from a film called Dis, which is an art house film I'm really proud of. It's really offensive. It's brutal. Not the clip that's on my site, but the movie itself. It's, it's, It's artistic, and it can be offensive, and it's extreme, but it's a very metaphorical film. Um, and but also on my website, there's an uh, it li- it's links to all of my film stuff and stage stuff. But there's embedded on there is an episode of my podcast, Gothic Goodnight. Yes, and it's my favorite episode. It's the Phantom of the Opera episode. OK, and so uh, I'd encourage people just to to hit BillObers.com and just hit play on the podcast and turn off the lights and just listen to this beautiful uh, uh, wounded monster named Eric who we know is the Phantom of the Opera, but meet Eric, the person, in that little podcast excerpt. I'd love it if people would do that. Yes, and we will put a link to that in our show notes so they have access to 
be able to get to it easily. Well, we have two big things, Synchronicity, The Parish. Be sure to watch them March 16th. One of them is coming out and the other is available. I mean, or anything that he's done, just Google his name, but go to the website, check out the podcast and just see all of the beautiful and amazing work that Bill has done. Bill, thanks for joining me today. I appreciate it. Brett, thank you and live long and prosper. That brings today's show to a close. Goodly do. Thanks for stopping by. If you enjoyed the episode, feel free to share it with a friend and subscribe. It's absolutely free. The views and opinions of the guests do not necessarily reflect those of the host. Autobots, roll out. Go home.